It is time to dig deeper into the Word of God again. I'm so glad you are joining us here on the Bible Idiots Podcast. I'm Emily Danielson. Have you ever pondered the why that surrounds your authentic walk with Christ? Or how about identifying marks that tell us plainly we are in the end times? Today, Chris takes us to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and delivers a message that has already impacted lives. Now, this is, once again, truly one of the best sermons Chris has delivered, and I hope it blesses you. If you feel that way after listening, would you do me a favor? Would you share the podcast with the people in your world? Let's join my best friend and husband, Pastor Chris Danielson, right now for this message entitled, A Biblical Description for You. Well, that was a good worship band to have in the house, wasn't it? That second song, Grace Like Rain, you guys know who sings that? A guy named Todd Agnew. Todd Agnew sang that song and recorded that song. And <clears throat> he came in concert when we were in Phoenix, and uh, we picked him up from the airport. And Todd Agnew, I have no idea what he's been like the last five to ten years, but I can tell you what he was like when he recorded that song. And that is, he loved Jesus so much. And he was eyes wide open to the Christian industry at that time. And when he got off the airplane, that's the same outfit he wore on stage. But there was a turn that was happening in Todd's life at the time. And I don't know why, but I'm just, I'm thinking about it as we're getting ready to get into the message today. And uh, Todd used to go on stage barefoot. And... I don't know if you know this, but Rich Mullins used to do the same all the time. And because he wanted to honor Rich, but also he just wanted to be free in Jesus when he was on stage. But he started getting so much static from people about trying to be a Rich Mullins wannabe that he started wearing shoes back on stage. At this point, phones were just becoming part of our everyday life. And he had an alert in his phone every 45 days to check his rider. Because you know what would happen in the Christian industry? Todd Agnew would go to a town to do a concert, and his rider would have 30 things on it that he had to have in his dressing room or had to have for him. And Todd Agnew only had two. Todd Agnew would say, I want two bottles of water and one towel. That was his rider. And because of the influence that he had on Emily and I, getting to hang out with them, whenever we would go and do comedy and they'd ask us what we wanted in the dressing room and stuff, we'd say two waters and one towel. It's, it's a humble thing. But you know who, uh, you, you, where did all those other things come from? Well, other people around him would put them on his rider because people start getting full of themselves, like they're, 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 now they're stars for Jesus. And it can be intoxicating and it can throw you off your game. And people that have never been there may, may, might not realize how difficult it is to do some of these things. Now, we've also met a lot of Christian artists who I'm embarrassed for them. I'm embarrassed for how they live their lives for Jesus with their rock star demands and their attitude. One gal who, if I said her name, you'd instantly recognize it said that she thinks one of the greatest things that God can do is to use her as a huge blessing in someone's life. Like, 
her presence. Like this one girl wrote her a fan letter, so she went to that girl's church, and, she, and the, the artist is telling the story. She said, and when I walked in, everybody was so amazed someone at my level would be at their church, and I just know that I blessed people today. <laughs> Follow? And so I'm just reminded as we bring my ministry here in Abilene, Kansas to a close today, that we can look at things through many different lenses. And I always try to see what Jesus is up to. And when I don't, when I get caught up in my own emotions, that's when things tend to get off the rail. Now, a authentic remnant believer will go through similar things, but they'll always get back on track. And they'll get on back on track through studying the word, through having a relationship with Jesus. Last week I talked about pray without ceasing and those types of things. Because it becomes not about us anymore. Todd Agnew, it was never about him. He wrote a song that we call, we nicknamed Tableland. That's not the name of the song, but it was about climbing the mountain with God and reaching these tablelands in your journey with Christ and then climbing again. And he, in concert, explained, he goes, I'm going to play for you a song that they won't let me record. Because it is a five-minute song, and it's about the power of Jesus Christ to change your life and give you these tablelands. When we sing about chains being broken, when those chains are broken, you get a tableland. When you're in a lot of pain and you find a break from that pain, even though you know the pain's coming again, it's a table land. You're climbing, it's a table land. You follow? So he sings this song, gets a standing ovation. Record company wouldn't let him, wouldn't let him sing that song on his record because it was just too much Jesus and not enough generic God. And what year was that? That was like 2008. Wasn't that long ago. And where, where have we gone since then? As a church community, we continue to deteriorate. And I'm going to read you some scriptures today, and we're going to get back into 2 Timothy. And I left you with last week with Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, about the power of God. Faith unto faith is what? Not being ashamed of the gospel. Our text is actually uh, chapter 3, 1 through 5, but I want to show you chapter 1, verses 8 and 10 to start today. And it says this. It says, so don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. It's not according to our works. It's not according to our comings and goings, our doings, but it's according to his purpose and grace. You guys know, if you've listened for any, about five, all you got to do is be around me for five minutes, and you know we came to Abilene not to move again. And now our house is on the market. And just to prepare that house to put on the market again, emotionally has been draining physically has been draining, and Emily and I walk around the house complaining like spoiled brats. <laughs> but we don't stay there. We move on. We get back on track. It's his purposes and his grace. 
And I'm just telling you, my leaving this church and the church that's called me to be their pastor in Iowa, the confirmation from Jesus has been over and over and over and over and over again. I am convinced that some of you remnant believers, sheep that I love, that I pray for almost on a daily basis, are going to be stronger in the Lord and go deeper with Christ for such a time as this because of my departure. So why would I stay? It's his purpose and his grace. It's not according to our works. Verse 10. Now has been made evident through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Romans 1, the power of God is the gospel. And it's with that umbrella that we're going to sit under today as we go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And the title of the message is a biblical description for you. Verses 3, or I'm sorry, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Now, before I read this, I want you to keep a couple things in mind. Number one, Paul is not writing about the whole world here. He is in a generic sense, but when you get into certain people that he mentions by name, we don't do that in America. We don't want to mention anybody by name, you know, whether they're doing good or bad, because we don't want to do that. But eventually he does. You can see that he's talking about people of faith or who once were of faith or who once claimed to be of faith. So when you read this, I want, when, when I read this, there will be a couple things in there that I'm telling you, just as your buddy, as your friend, there'll be at least two or three. There's 18 things that get listed in there that are pretty horrible. And you'll probably identify with two or three, even if you're saved. Things that can get you off where through daily keeping with repentance, you come back on track. Doesn't mean that you're this horrible person, but some of these tendencies are in the Christian human in 2022. And there is a lot of these tendencies in people who claim Christ who really need to be saved. That's the mindset. Because it's easy to listen to this and think, yeah, my atheist lost friend at work. No, I want you to put it in the context of the church that is trying to be the light of the world, that's trying to keep its saltiness. You ready? Here we go. But know this. Hard times will come in the last days, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding the form of godliness, but denying its power. So let's just love those people. No. Avoid these people. This is a biblical description for you. See, many of us do believe that we are living in the last days. And there, one thing for sure, no one knows for certain when Jesus will come. If anybody says he's coming on Tuesday, it, no. No man knows the day or hour. It's not just the hour, it's the day. I've heard somebody recently who has put together the calendar from Adam's day through the Jewish calendar, through the Julian calendar, through all of these things 
through the Israel becoming a nation again, adding up all the prophecy. And this person believes that around the Feast of Trumpets in September or October of this year will be Jesus' return to rapture his church. I'm going to tell you why I believe it, and I'm going to tell you why I don't believe it. I believe it because it's one of the most sound biblical explanations I've ever heard. And when Emily was pregnant with each one of our kids, we didn't know the day or hour she was going to, you know, the water was going to break and we were going to go, but we kind of knew generally when it was. And we are there. That's why I believe that it could be even before we're done preaching today. But September, October in the Feast of the Trumpets this year makes, makes some sense. Here's why I don't believe it. Because Jesus said, no one will know the day or the hour. And so his sovereignty over my life means everything. There's a cornerback in the NFL, Minnesota Vikings, first-round draft pick in 2020, 25 years old, named Gadney. Jeff Gadney. Jesus came for him this past week. He rolled his car at 2.30 in the morning in Dallas. He gone. You don't know. You can be the most fit athlete in the world, and Jesus can take you home just like that. You ever heard of somebody who plowed into a big bird at 70 miles an hour, came through the windshield and killed him? I thought about that the other day because from here to Salina, a big bird floated right by the front of my windshield. I'm like, whoa! You don't know. But we are living in those times. We might not be able to have pinpoint accuracy on exactly how it's going to go down and when it's going to go down, but we do have an accuracy of the signs of the time. And so accurately uh, portraying the spiritual climate and the social climate of the last days, you can say, I think with confidence, we are living in the last days. So let's examine the evidence of what we've got in our text today. And there are three identifying marks that I want to lay out for you. I want to lay out for you the climate. I want to lay out for you the characteristics, which is the bulk of the message today. And then I want to lay out for you the uh, counseling at the end. That's your three fill-in-the-blanks on your sermon notes today. Climate, characteristics, counseling. So verse 1, the climate. The climate, they are dangerous days. Paul describes the last days as perilous times. What does that mean? Perilous means difficult, troublesome, trying, uneasy, hard, violent, threatening, and dangerous. I just did that so you can see I did research. (laughs) You think I got that off the top of my head? Come on. While these characteristics have marked all time periods in history to some extent, they are intensified in the last days. Are we not seeing that intensity? It's safe to say that we're on the brink of collapse. I mean, come on, just look at the leadership that God has put us under. That, if, if, some, some say that's a judgment from God. And so where do you, where do you see a lot of the perilousness? In that? In, in the lost? No. It's those who practice righteousness. That's where we see it. And what do I mean by that? I mean the volume, if you are practicing righteousness, walking with Jesus Christ, the volume that comes at you gets intensified in the last days. Intolerant, bigoted, narrow-minded, dangerous. You're dangerous. There was a professor out of Rhode Island, I'm sure he's tenured or he wouldn't have said this, 
said that all Christians should literally be uh, imprisoned and or executed. It's we're here. Those who practice sinful, deviant lifestyles are praised and labeled heroes by society. These are indeed very dangerous days. Regardless of how we want society to improve, we will watch it continue to slide into decay. And the reality is when you see this happening, and if you use history as your guide, what you want to try to do is you want to try to slow the tide uh, in the advancement of sin in little pockets, in little pockets around the country. And most of them are covenant partner type churches. And for the most part, conditions will deteriorate until Jesus returns and sets straight righteousness and power. You see, natural man, instead of getting better spiritually, is actually growing more and more wicked. The Bible says that in Ephesians chapter 4. And in Daniel 12, 10, it tells us, the wicked shall do wickedly. And as we'll see in a few moments, the spread of evil is not just in the world, but it is also in religious circles. See, when the world is hollering at you about being intolerant and being evil, and you're standing firm, but then the people in your sphere of influence that, are, that claim Christ but may not even really know Christ try to, try to hurt you, that's the ones I struggle with the most. That's the one I struggle with the most. Because the wheat and tares message, remember, they grow up together and it's not for us to try to pluck them out. God's going to take care of that. So we got to try to treat everybody with love and respect. So everybody kind of has a voice on one hand, but on the other hand, really the true believers, the really authentic ones that claim a witness, are the ones that we are to look to. Isn't that true? Now you go back to my two years here, I tried to lay this out. And I want you to grab onto it and I want you to go forward with it. It's called a covenant partnership. And you take an oath before God and you claim to know Christ and you claim to want to stand together with your brothers and sisters. And that's all the best we can do. What we found out here, that don't mean much. But I want it to in the future. And I want it for you. It it doesn't matter if it doesn't mean much to your neighbor. Make it mean much to you for such a time as this. Let's go to point number two, the characteristics the deeds of what's going on here. There's 18 of them. And I want to take a few minutes and walk through this list of attitudes and actions that will mark the living of the last days, the living that's going on, the the coming and going, the going to the grocery store, the buying the $20 gallon of gas that's coming or whatever it's going to be. As we journey in this world, this is what we will see. And you will see yourself in some of these. I see myself in some of these. But if you are righteous and if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will notice these things as things that are fading away that God is giving you victory over as you stay in him on track as a surrendered believer of Jesus Christ. And if you are a faker, this will be evident in much of what you do. Have discernment to see the difference as we go through this. Number one, lovers of self. On some of the Wednesdays when I've been teaching here and on some of my messages over the last few, six, eight months, I've I've come back to this theme over and over and over again. Because nothing is more important to some people than themselves. The people feel the world revolves around them and them alone. We have a whole generation of kids who have been taught that the intention of your heart is the most important thing. 
Hollywood has beat it into us over the last two decades. Follow your heart, follow your heart. For when self-love is elevated, love of God and all other things is automatically lowered. We have a society that has become their own God. To the point that if I want you to call me a certain pronoun and you don't, you have blasphemed my godhood and you need to be punished. And you all know what I'm talking about. See, self-esteem is not God-esteemed. God wants to take the steam out of self. To live in Christ is to die to self, says the scriptures. And then it's pretty clear. He lays it out. You're either wheats or tares, your sheeps or goats. Get it? It's not that hard. It's, it's, at the end of the day, it's simple. You die to self to live in Christ. And you look forward to the world to come rather than this world. And as you live in this world, you try to live out what he's called you to do, which bites. So often it just bites. Until you step out of your flesh, you step out of your selfishness, and then you live in victory. And Jesus says, my yoke is easy, the burden is light. Are you kidding me, Lord, with all these people hating on me and me trying to, yeah, see, you're trying too hard. Let it go and let me. Now, the following characteristics are not all based on lover of self. Each one is a number to, to each person. But do not be surprised at the depth of evil of which the people are capable of. And keep in mind that as we study these terms, the people who do these things, a lot of it comes out of self-love. I have my right to do what I want to do. Yeah, you do. Do you have a right to claim Christ if you do those things? Can you authentically claim Jesus Christ when you exaggerate things that are spoken? When you tell lies, when you cross lines that can't be uncrossed, so now you've got to try to blame other people? See, there are times when we just have to repent. And if you say, Chris, is there something out there that I can look to that says whether I'm in the faith? Because the Bible says examine yourself to see that you're in the faith. Yes, when we hit these next 17 and you see one that kind of you identify with, you want to repent of it. The Spirit puts that in you. See, I don't have love for other people. Other people annoy the snot out of me. I'm trying to pick the right adjective. It's my last day. A friend of mine was a brilliant kid, and we did improv together, and he had a full-ride scholarship to be a doctor, and instead he ended up working in the pharmaceutical industry. And I said, why? And I'll never forget this. His name was Paul, and Paul said, because sick people annoy me to no end. Well, glad you're not a doctor then. <laughs> I don't have the love. And everybody loved Raymond when Marie is trying to teach Deborah how to cook, 
And she said that the missing, the secret ingredient is love and Deborah tries to cook something and doesn't make it right. She's like, I don't have the love. I don't have the love. That's me. I don't have the love. I kind of care for people, but not really. And then something happens. And it happens less and less and less because I've grown and grown and grown in my sanctification. But over the last 20 years, there's this love for other people that's put in my heart that I don't even like it because it's not from me. It's not from my flesh. It's not from comfortable Chris Danielson from Country Club Manor, Minnesota. No, it's Jesus's light that comes in me. And now I start loving other people. And I start wanting to love other people even when they're not good to me. And then I want to love other people because I don't want to love them, but I see Christ reflecting his love through me. And then I know it's not me conjuring up the love that it's Christ loving through me. A couple examples this week, Pam Johnson. At least five times this week, I start praying for Pam and her ribs. I don't care about Pam. <laughs> but Jesus, in my heart, Pam's one of my most favorite people that I've met in Abilene. And I love her. And I want her pain to be eased. Not Chris the flesh guy, but the surrendered Chris to Jesus Christ cannot not be that way. It's called sanctification, called growing in the Lord. Cecilia's eyes, same thing. Just, it, it just happens because you're not in love with yourself anymore. Colossians 3, you've died, and in Christ you remain. And every day in the flesh here is just a bonus day in which you can love others and try to pray for others and try to grow in your spirituality. And the minute you try to do it out of your own strength, you stumble and you fall. And you realize this bites, this isn't nothing like the joy and the lightness, and so you come back to Jesus and you get back on track. Let's hit these 17 together, should we? Covetousness, lovers of money. It's plain in God's word, that our priorities can become skewed and we can start to worship ourselves and ignore God and loving things and using people. And this is the exact formula for defeat in life. Let me tell you that I have had a unique life that has nothing to do with my skill set or you know, how lucky I was in God's sovereignty. Anybody remember the movie Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump is this simpleton who falls backwards into all of these unique situations, meeting the president, meeting all these different people, remember? Well, my son, as he looks at my life, because he knows me, he's inner circle, he's family, he knows how much of a loser I am and how I don't deserve anything that I've gotten. He calls me the Forrest Gump of Christianity. Because, you know, I mean, you see pictures of me with... Newt Gingrich or Phil Robertson. I made Joe Namath laugh. When I met Tim Tebow a year and a half ago when we were filming with him as we're doing the handshake for, to do the picture and we're talking, we're standing in his office because Steve Biondo, who's in, family, uh, in uh, Bible Idiots, is now the president of the Tim Tebow Foundation. As we're about to take the pictures, I'm, I, I said to him, I said, people are going to think that we're body doubles. And he busted out laughing. And just as, you know, instead of saying cheese, I said, twinsies. Forrest Gump. Nobody cares. I don't care. I'm not worthy of it. What about you? You get the same thing in your life. Don't have the love of money. Jesus says you can only love one or the other. Number three is boasters, evil pretenders, windbags. They brag about what they have and have what they've done. They set them up to be the know-all and end-all in people's lives. That number three is what I've been called with what I've just told you. 
I know in my heart I'm not bragging or boasting. I'm laughing. I mean, I can't believe that this stuff happened to me. Anybody who knows me knows that that it's just crazy. Oh, he's a name dropper. He thinks he's Mr. Hollywood. He thinks he's Mr. Broadcaster. Whatever. What about you? What is it that you're accused of bragging about that you've given to Jesus? Or what do you brag about that you probably should quit? Number four is proud. You overestimate one's worth. You know, think of Romans 12, 3, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according to as God has dealt to every man's measure of faith. In other words, God's going to give you a certain measure of faith. He's going to give you a certain measure of understanding of your depth of surrender. Roll with it. Roll with it. Don't get all proud. Is it any wonder that the rainbow flag waving cry, crowd has the word pride in front of everything? Look up Proverbs 19 when you got the time. Number five is blasphemers or demeaning in our text today. It's given to defiant and bitter words. These are who speak evil of God and his children and his work. Have you noticed that there's a rise of cursing in our day? Have you noticed that the F word has now become common culture, commonplace? You think that just because I'm a pastor, I'm immune to it. I'm not. You know, somebody says something. This has happened like three or four times just in the last week. I'll be around somebody who will drop an F-bomb or somebody will say a different word and they turn and apologize to me. Like, you have no idea. Don't apologize to me. But it's a lack of respect for God. In seminary, I had a debate with a professor, and this debate then went after class, and four or five other students stayed around to watch. And I had a debate with him that the word that means ship high in transit, that's where it comes from, I was convinced that that was a slang term, and he said it was a swear and a curse word. And my position was, it's not anymore, but it was, how can that be when that was used every day in my household from the time I learned how to walk? How could that be? So I come out of that world. And having naturally through the Spirit, and when I say naturally, I'm talking about spiritual, natural growth in the Spirit, have come to change my language to try to be a man of not unclean lips, to now be able to see what's going on in our society. Every mainstream show on any pay service, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, drops them all the time, right? And we think nothing of tongues being used to speak evil against everyone and everything. Disobedient to parents. The rejection of Christian values reaches the home. Children don't respect their parents. Who will they respect? When you look at people and cultures that need to destroy Christianity, they also need to destroy the modern family, right? Or the, the, not the modern family, but the original family, the godly family. Respect and loyalty in the home. If it's not there, you'll never find it in society. Unthankful is number seven. I mean, that's pretty common. God's word teaches us that we should be thankful people. 
Unholy, wicked is number eight. It means profane. It's a state when we lose heart and all regard for decency and we have no shame. All I have to do is tell you that the pornification of our culture is at an all-time high, and I don't need to even say any more about it. It's just a trend. And then we get to number nine, without natural affection. It describes the breakdown of the family, and it's that natural loves will be lost and the desire to fill the basest and most perverted of human excesses will not only be looked as, as normal, but virtuous. We're there. We're there. Truce breakers. This refers to those who will not keep their promise. A man's word is no longer his bond. And it, speak, it speaks to people who will try to agree. This is a picture of those who are unyielding and must, at all cost, have their own way. And this is very prevalent in church circles as well. False accusers, slanderers. These people do everything in their power to destroy the good name and reputation of another. By the way, it's the same word from which we get the word devil. In other words, the devil is a slanderer. And those who engage in destroying the good name from another person are guilty of engaging in the devil's work. Incontinent. Without self-control. The ability to disown one's life. If it feels good, do it. That's number 12. Why should I deny myself the little pleasures in life? Live once. Life short. Eat, drink, and be merry, right? That's the mission statement of modern society. God's word has a different take on the situation. 1 Corinthians 6, 12 says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Now, I have told you my position on alcohol, and if you're new and you don't know what it is, I'll share it with you. I believe that Jesus made a batch. A good French wine with a steak is one of my favorite things in the whole world. Bordeaux region, East Bank, if you're curious. I mow the lawn on a hot July day. Cold beer's pretty good. If I golf in the Twin Cities with my brother, cold beer's pretty good. But you know what other freedom in Christ I have? I have the freedom in Christ to not drink. I am a huge moderation guy. Huge moderation guy. But I also have the freedom in Christ that if my brother's co-worker who's golfing with us is struggling with alcohol, that I can have a Mountain Dew at the end of that round just as easy. Because of my freedom in Christ to do such. Make sense? Fierce is number 13. It's savage, brutal, untamed. People will be controlled by their inner instincts. We are seeing a trend in this direction in our society. Men are literally living like wild animals. Despisers of that which are good is 14. In a world where good and evil and evil is good, those who stand for right are a slap in the face to the evildoer. You ever been chilling and watching an old black and white movie that, you know, the credits roll and it's dark? And you're just, you know, you're processing the movie. You've been on the couch for a couple hours and it's night and your spouse walks in and flicks on all the lights. That's what the righteous life is to those who walk in darkness. That's why they slap at you. That's why they don't like you. They despise those that are good. Why do you think they 
don't want any Ten Commandments in the courthouse rooms anymore? Why do you think they don't want prayer in schools for all these years? Why do you think that the world is so against the Word of God being preached in any way, shape, or form? The woke culture must destroy the church because it's a light in a dark place, and darkness cannot cover up the light. Don't ever forget this. You are called to be the light of the world. Now, I'm going to Iowa, and that's where I'm called. No question we're called there right now. No question we were called here in the two years we had here. Let's hold on to the good memories, okay? But pastors come and pastors go. Christian friends come, Christian friends go. But you are called to be the light and to be salt wherever you are. And if you are here, Lifehouse Church needs you. Bishop Ron's coming to be the interim pastor. Many of you, I'm telling you through my prayers, you are called to still be here and be light and watch this place grow back for his purposes, whatever that might be. Might be a month, might be two months, it might be 10 years, who knows? But when you're that light, you can make a huge difference. And I've, this is my favorite analogy because I lived it and I know I've shared it here a couple times, but we went out to South Dakota to the Black Hills to Mount Rushmore and they have spelunking out there where you can go into these caves. And of course, we're not going to the really tough ones because like I say, even on vacation, we're spoiled brats. We just want it easy. There's this long plank walk and it had handrails and lights along it. And we walked all, I mean, it was a long walk. And then it comes into an opening. This cave that we were in opening was a little bit bigger than this room we're in now. And there was, what, 25, 30 of us on this tour. We all paid like $4 for the opportunity to basically, what I felt like, walk to our death. (laughs) And we get down in there and and the guy says, everybody get good footing, get good footing because I'm going to turn off the lights. And, and he did. And it was the darkest dark I've ever seen in my life. I could not see my hand. It was just dark. And then he had a Bic lighter and he's standing in the middle of the room and he lights this Bic lighter. And it illuminated the whole joint. You could see in the corners, you could see everybody's face off one Bic lighter when it was that dark. The darker America gets, the more your light is going to be incredibly important in the world that God has you in. Don't look at your neighbor for what world they're in, the world you're in. And some of you, I've talked to you and you've said, this is your place. God bless you. Makes me happy. Makes me happy. Number 16 is, uh, number, number 15 is traitors. People who betray others and break friendships just to get their way. They lie, cheat, steal, doesn't matter. They'll basically possess no loyalty except to themselves. That goes back to point one, doesn't it? Lovers of self. Uh, Number 16, heady, reckless, rash, acting without reasonable thought. Speaks to those involved in activities of a foolish nature. 17 is high-minded. Those who are puffed up with a false sense of their own important. People who think they're better than what they are. These people feel that they have no need for God or others. They are all that they need. 18, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Speaks for itself. The deception and the denial. See, Paul tells us that the population's last days would be characterized by this. And as I shared with you last week, only 37% of pastors have a biblical worldview. Six in ten pastors don't have a biblical worldview. 
they either get stuck with God as love or they get stuck with God as truth and they don't have that balance of truth and love that is the scriptures. People will have a form of godliness. They'll, they'll have a semblance. In other words, they'll be good and decent people, but their claim is false. Their problem is the fact that they have a desperately wicked heart that has not been regenerated by the Lord Jesus Christ. And the way that they live proves this. And when you say that, the way that this lives, you immediately start thinking of obvious sins. What about the ones that are not so obvious where they have this facade, this front, but their heart is, is, is just deeply wicked and far from the Lord? And then there's a denial. It says that we'll have an appearance of godliness, but we'll have a denial in our heart that we'll have the language of the church, we'll have, we'll have the, the goings-on of the Christian society, the Christian culture. We, Emily and I, you know, we, we, on Christian radio, we call it Christianese. You know, Paul says that they form a godliness, but they deny the power of that. What does that mean? That means that there is not a relationship with Jesus Christ. No man can authentically meet Jesus and remain the same. A change happens. It doesn't mean that man can't sin or that woman can't sin. And, but, but when they do and it's brought to light, they don't try to make somebody else be the problem. They repent of what they've done and they get back on track. However, the characteristics of a lost person and still in sin will be obvious by what? Their fruits. Their fruits will make it obvious to them. I'm long. i got to wrap this up. If a person claims to be right with God and they still manifest all the characteristics of a lost person, then you need to pray for them that they'll find their redemption. Because those who are generally converted cannot wallow in their sins. You can't do it. As much as I don't want to be a loving person because I'm built that way and I can claim that that's my heritage. We were grumpy, ornery folks when we grew up. We fought with everybody, you know? You know, Chris, you're so loud. Well, you should have seen me when I was lost. I'd have fought you for that line. <laughs> now look at how much I've grown. No punches were thrown. It's beautiful. A joke. The point is there. Anyway, let's get to the counseling. We are counseled to do two things. Ready? We are counseled, and this is hard. This is not easy for a lot of us to understand, but, but trust me, this is God's word. We are called to isolate, and we are called to insulate. He says, from such turn away. Avoid these people. Well, who are they? You first must identify them. And that's really distasteful to the modern church to 2022, to isolate those who are walking in sin, we must lay their lives alongside the word of God. You know, we want people to come as they are. We want them to hear the word of God. We want to love others, be the church, all that stuff. But you can't leave them there. You can't leave them there. They have to leave the church changed, which means there's an insulation and isolation. There's the covenant partners who have locked arms for such a time as this, and everyone who comes in the door is welcome, and they're preached to, and they're shown Jesus, and they're given an opportunity to believe. And if they do believe, they can be welcomed into the fold. And if they don't quite believe and they haven't quite, they're still welcome. We still smile. We still appreciate them. But they are not one of us. And that's the problem. We want all of these people to be one of us too because we're loving. Well, you're lovingly wrong according to the scriptures. 
We insulate. When a man by his fruits or a person by them fruits proves themselves to be more of a child of a devil than they are a child of God, we can still love them and reach for them and pray for them, but we must separate ourselves from them and their works from us and our works. And how do you do that? The only thing I could come up with for y'all was a covenant partnership, which is the power of God through the gospel. And reread your covenant partnership certificate, which people stood here and made an oath to God. Not to me. I'm leaving. It's to God. So you got to be selected with whom you associate as deep partners in the church. And if the three famines are coming, famine of freedom, famine of food, and famine of faith, that isolated, insulated covenant partnership is supposed to mean something. So are we in the last days? Secondly, as a church, we need to separate ourselves from worldly influence. Be in the world but not of the world. It's a good phrase. Because if we lose our power, and if we lose our standing in Christ for what we are supposed to be as the bride of Christ, at top of the door, God will write Ichabod. Right? It's not happened here. God has not written Ichabod above the door of Lifehouse. And many of you will stand in the cave with your big lighters to prove that what I just said is right. And God's calling you to do it. So do it. I'm going to close with a quote from Charles Spurgeon. And this is some hard cheese here, but just listen. Complicity with air will take the best of men the power to enter any successful protest against it. It is our solemn conviction that where there can be no real spiritual communion, there should be no pretense of fellowship. Fellowship with known and vital air is participation in sin. As soon as I saw or thought I saw that air had become firmly established, I did not deliberate but quitting the body at once. Since then, my counsel has been, come out from among them. I have felt that no protest would be equal to that of distinct separation from known evil, that I might not sully my testimony. I have cut myself clear of those who err from the faith, even from those who associate with them. Cost what it may to separate ourselves from those who separate themselves from the truth of God is not alone our liberty but our duty. And I see a whole lot of remnant believers here in this church that are left, that God wants to be his bride in Abilene for such a time as this. May God richly bless you as you stand firm, as God calls you to a life with a spine of steel in his word, with his strength holding you up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you and praise you. Let these be your words. Let them actually be encouragement as they're meant. Please, Lord, don't let anybody twist it into condemnation because that's not what it is. You have spoken these words through the Apostle Paul, inspired by you for us, I believe, for this time so that we will really grab on hold and you will grow us into strong believers, stronger than we were yesterday. We just love you and thank you and praise you, Jesus. 
May your kingdom come quickly. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the teaching ministry of Chris Danielson. If you were impacted by the Bible Idiots podcast, tell your friends and share this media outreach. To connect with us, go to BibleIdiots.com and look in the left-hand corner and you'll see our direct email address. We'd love to hear from you. Also, follow Bible Idiots on Facebook or subscribe to Bible Idiots on Telegram Messenger. Until next time, I'm Emily Danielson.